0: Ray Parkinson and this is the Two Shot Podcast. Pop the kettle on and grab your seat. You sitting comfortably, then let's dive in. Hello. Yes, it's uh, episode two, season 10 of the Two Shot Podcast, and we're here just about. Uh, I made it through Glastonbury, if you're asking, Um, (laughs) whether you are or not, I'm going to tell you. Look, if you've been, you'll understand what I'm talking about. If you were there, then you're really going to know what I'm talking about. It was just extraordinary. I can't put it into words. My first Glastonbury was... Everything and more. I mean, I say everything and more. I, I didn't really know what to expect. I certainly didn't expect that. I saw loads of friends. I saw some old friends. I was um, I was going to my field and I I heard a voice saying Craig, not in an equity hotel room in a lovely field. And I turned around and it was somebody that I hadn't seen for around 15 years possibly 18 big shout out to joe mckinnis lots of love and uh, you know made lots of new friends and kind of big shout out to some of you for every person that stopped me and came up to me uh, and expressed their love for this podcast i mean it's overwhelming it means so so much to me so for every person that i spoke to and took a bit of time out with the Glastonbury. Big, big love to you, and I hope you had a fantastic weekend. So I made it back from Glastonbury, drove back home to Manchester, turned the suitcase around, and got on a train to London and started filming on the Monday morning. The word fragile uh, doesn't spring to mind. That's exactly what it was. Uh, But I made it through the other side, and it was well, well worth it. And another thing that's well worth it is this episode two of season 10 with the frankly lovely Taj Atwal. Now, me and Taj have been trying to do this a few times remotely the week before. Um, And there was one time that my internet was playing up in the Airbnb that I was in when I was in Gloucestershire. And then we tried it again when I was back home and Taj's internet was playing up, Uh, not a shout out to BT there. Um, But then a few days later, I was back home in Manchester and she was about 40 minutes away. She said, you know what, I'll drive over to yours and we'll do it at your house, which is exactly what we did. Now Taj is a fantastic actress or actor depending on what you want to say. You know, we're very free and easy on this podcast. You'll know her from the brilliant Stella from the pen of Ruth Jones, who I adore. Ruth Jones is brilliant. And uh, the syndicate in the club. And most recently, you'll know her from Channel 4's brilliant Hole Raisers, co-starring with Leah Brotherton and the fantastic Sinead Matthews. So uh, let's get down to it. And look... Come and join me at the end and I'm going to tell you about who episode three is with because we recorded it the day before Glastonbury in the sunshine. It's an al fresco two-shot podcast. But before that, let's get down to it. This is episode two of the two-shot podcast with the fantastic Taj Atwell. Enjoy. Yep. I'll see you at the end. (laughs) <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I'm not going to bore anybody about the rigmarole of trying to get this started, Taz, because I hate it when podcasts <laughs> start like that. Oh, uh, how are you?
1: I'm good. Thank you. Sun shining. We've got our kombuchas. I know. Well, happy
0: days. And you come over from York today?
1: Yeah, I did a little pit stop in York. I haven't been there for about six months. And then uh, dropped my sister off. And then, yeah, I came to see you.
0: And that's where you're from, York?
1: Well, I'm from Norwich. Norwich. I'm actually from Norwich. And then I moved to York. I was only in York for about ten years, and I've been down south since.
0: The last time I was in York was about three years ago, and I was walking around, and I couldn't believe the amount of pubs in York. Yeah. Why is it just pubs? And it's a real stag and hen place, York.
1: Is it? Yeah. I'll be honest with you, I haven't been out in York... <laughs> For about five years, so I don't know. And they're all busy, which I love, because pubs are shutting down left, right and centre. Mm. But in York, they're still thriving.
0: Yeah, because there's so bloody many of them. They're all busy with Stag and Enders, that's why. I...
1: Well, there's a pub that Kate is for every kind of person.
0: I couldn't find it. They were all a bit shambolic <laughs> I for me. I, did, I couldn't dare Where go Where did in. you end up, Bodger No, we were doing a live podcast. <laughs> and I just, I was just walking around going, why is every other shop like a pub? You <laughs> just don't get it with historic York. I wouldn't have thought that.
1: There's just, I don't know. I love a good gastro. I'm a pub kind of girl.
0: Are you more of a pub than a restaurant girl?
1: Oh, my gosh, yes. We did a little walk to Dolby Forest and all we kept saying was like, oh, should we go to the pub after for a nice pub meal?
0: That's what you want, though, especially on a day like this. A nice walk in the countryside or a forest that ends with the, the mythical pub And it's there, and it's serving exactly what you want. Oh. And the drinks are cold, and the people are nice. Mm. A beer garden is a plus.
1: You've just described my perfect day.
0: It's the dream pub. I don't know where it is, but that's the dream pub.
1: I've been to a few. Me and my friends like to drive out to random places, just wherever. I can't remember the area. I wish I could now. And we found this tiny little pub, and... We were a bit apprehensive right. because, you know, it was kind of the middle of nowhere. We didn't know what the people were going to be like. Yeah. And um, there was a roaring fire, so straight away I was sold. In. And it was £10 a head, and I'm talking a full plate of food. The pie.
0: Good pie. Was the
1: size of the plate.
0: Was it a proper pie, though? A
1: proper head. just It wasn't pie. just like
0: a pie topping and then a stew underneath. No,
1: no. It was that thick crust pastry pie. Well, they had fish and chips, and it was the biggest piece of battered fish I think I'd ever <laughs> seen. And we just... And I had to... I'm designated driver, so I had to drive back, and I was livid, because all I wanted to do was drink a glass of red, and yeah. someone else just show for me.
0: <laughs> do you find it hard in... You know you've got that, you just described somewhere warm and welcoming... Because I used to live in London. <laughs> and I'm not saying it's not warm and welcoming. You just have to pick your areas and pick your places quite well. You've got a lot of planning to do. You can't just sort of stumble across something like that. Do you find oh, that? Oh, really? Or... No, no. My
1: favourite thing is a stumble.
0: Uh, yeah, but I just think there are a lot of places can be a bit...
1: Yeah, but that's how you explore the world, is stumbling upon hidden gems.
0: But that, I think that's my point. I, I haven't you found don't. many <laughs> hidden gems. I used to live North London, and there was a lot of gems that weren't hidden, but there were they were, right. and they were slightly posher gaffs, such as yeah. places in Highgate.
1: I don't do North London. You don't.
0: You see one of one of those.
1: <laughs> and I don't do West. I'm going to put it out there. They're just not my vibe.
0: Just uh, just, just just an East girl.
1: Yeah, I'm just east through and through, um, without being specific where I live, but uh, I've only just moved there, or was south through and through beforehand, and um, the people are just so lovely.
0: Do you find it's got more of a villagey sort of vibe? My sister used to sort of be around there, and she used to say that people, there was a bit of a community... And people talk to each other a bit more.
1: Well I came out of my new apartment and the lady across the road bombed out of her house to introduce herself to me, to tell her that she lived at number eight and if I needed anything and had her settled in well and but I've turned into one of these people that started sweeping my yard and this, and the pavement outside.
0: Look, you've seen the front of my house. I've done me doing the garden. I don't even have a garden in the front of my house. So I've got a lot of parts. I've got a lot of parts and I've got a lot of plants. I've jet washed the backyard.
1: So I've been looking at Karsha washers.
0: <laughs> Look, Karsha, if you want to jump on board and be a sponsor to the Two shop podcast, we all need a jet wash and yours are very good.
1: Right, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> that's I'm looking what you want. for one the ra- yes. yeah.
0: You want to get yourself on a Sunday drive and go and do some jet pressure washing shopping.
1: That's, that's literally what I do. I've got a broom got a yard brush oh my
0: god you just i'm you've not just, far off
1: mopping the pavement you've just
0: turned old like that
1: <laughs> just pride pride in my home but isn't
0: that right though you should have pride yeah i think I w- it's a lovely thing
1: yeah it's the only thing that i wish more people had in my specific area because we don't you don't put the bins out you just put the recycling bag out onto the street Whose idea that was, I don't know. But the foxes get at them. Yeah, of
0: course they do. So the
1: street is just perpetually littered. But you'll see my house stands out because it's the only one that's, like, <laughs> immaculate.
0: <laughs> Take pride in everything you do, especially yeah. your home.
1: Yeah,
0: 100%. Tell me about Norwich.
1: Ooh, what's there to tell? I mean, mm. I haven't been back since I was about 10.
0: So you moved when you were 10?
1: Moved when I was 8.
0: Why and- did you move? <clears throat> Parents work.
1: Yeah, they got a job with what was called Round Trees then. It's Nestlé now. The,
0: the biscuit and sweet place. Yeah, yeah.
1: Round Trees. So they just moved with their with their work, and we left Norwich. Norwich was a very different place when I was there. I lived in Supple Close, which is you know it was pretty rough. Yeah. Um. You know, proper council estate. I'm kind of glad for it now because it gave me a real hardy quality that mm. kind of sees you through life. Um But those kind of council houses had massive gardens. So our garden was a 175-foot garden. Wow. And we had, I mean, no double glazing or central heating or anything like that. I think before I was born, the toilet was in the garden. Um And when I was then, you know, born... the the bathroom and stuff was downstairs and through the kitchen right yeah (laughs) yeah Um, but the gardens are massive so we had a plum tree pear tree a massive allotment in the garden
0: oh god you're lucky people are on a waiting list for allotments nowadays See, you'll get to a point soon in a few years where you put yourself on a waiting list
1: and there is one down the road there you go i've already had my (laughs) eye on it (laughs) yeah but our line of work we're never home no
0: i know exactly that's the thing
1: to even water the plants
0: I did that the other day and I opened the fridge and went, shit, I've left something in the fridge, it's not nice. No,
1: no, that is the worst. It's The, the worst for me is when you have to turn the fridge off to defrost, cos I spent most of lockdown abroad working. Where so, were you? Oh, it was everywhere. I was in Bulgaria for a massive stretch of it. Monaco, um yeah, so just out filming. Oh, it's hard light, it? you have it? to turn... The, no, I Monocle. loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm not complaining. I'm just slagging <laughs> off having to turn the fridge freezer off and yeah. have to eat everything. And yeah, just, of
0: course.
1: Just boring, isn't it? Just but now you've got stuff.
0: gorgeous neighbours who you can give you food to and go, look, oh, it's, it's going to go to waste and I can't bear a bit of food waste. Oh,
1: they're so sweet. They got married the other day and they came back and they'd left me some of their wedding flowers outside my door just so I had a bit of the wedding flowers. I
0: mean, you've picked the... The perfect place to live, that sounds idyllic.
1: They are, they're so, so lovely. They've got a little key safe and they're like, you put your spare key in there if you want.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I've really lucked out.
0: Taz, tell me about school. Which one? Well, I want to know <laughs> about leaving Norwich. So then did you, you go to York?
1: Well, in Norwich, they don't. I don't think this exists anymore, but I went to a first school which only went up to year three. It was called Wellesley First School.
0: A first school?
1: Yeah. I don't know why that existed, but we don't have it here. So it's from reception to year three. (laughs) And that's what I did. No, I've never... I mean, my
0: son's 11, and, like, no, he never had that.
1: Yeah, so you just stay at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I left then, I went to St. William's Primary School. Where's that? Again, Norwich. Right. To year six.
0: yeah. And then, yes. Honestly,
1: it's so weird when I think back on it now, why that existed. Yeah, that is odd. I don't even know if that does exist anymore. And for some reason, I didn't learn math. And I remember my first day at St at Andrew's Primary School, and we had to do math. And I was like, math?
0: What's, what's this? What's math? Yeah.
1: And I'm, and I'm ashamed to say it, but I just had to copy off the girl next to me because I was so embarrassed.
0: We've all been there.
1: Um, because I was too scared to tell them that I don't even know what math is. <laughs> so, needless to say, it's not my strong point. No,
0: exactly. No.
1: Yeah, but we sat math used a couple of times. Yeah. And it got worse every time. Just gave it up in the end.
0: Well, it's the thing, my son has trouble with it as well. And as, as soon as he as soon as soon he gets it, it's like learning it. I mean, the thing is, he's learning Japanese as well. Oh, and I went, whoa. what? I know, he's what? 11. He's 11. <laughs> he's obsessed with it all. And I said, well, you know, he said, can I learn Japanese? I went, I- I'm going to find you a tutor. So I found him one, and he wow. comes round to the house, his name's Rob, brilliant. But I said...
1: It's The least like, Japanese name
0: I've ever heard. He used to live in Tokyo. He's bit, oh, he's so good with it. he's brilliant. But I said to him, "It's it's a formula and it's a language. So as soon as you as soon as you get the formula, and when the penny drops with him, it's brilliant to see. Oh, it's a, um, I understand now when parents go, oh, when you see your kid sort of get it, we go, I know exactly what you mean. So I understand now from a teacher's point of view as well when the kids get it. But yeah, it's a tricky thing, isn't it?
1: I'm in awe of him. I mean, I, I'm. I adore the Japanese culture and the food and everything like that, so you'll have to take him out there and immerse himself into the culture.
0: I know, he does want to go, but I'm gonna wait until he's about fourteen.
1: Appreciate J- it more well,
0: Mom. appreciate it a bit more, remember it a bit more, and it's just on the cusp before he won't want to hang out with me anymore.
1: well you never know. Well
0: I mean this is
1: that's
0: a sad vision. Teenage boy, is it? Yeah. I, I've got to be realistic, though, Tass, you re- I feel like
1: you're a cool
0: dad. Oh, I'm the least coolest no. dad. He doesn't think I'm cool at when all. When he goes out
1: to the pub with his maids, he's like, oh, my old man's coming with us. Uh,
0: yeah, I don't think I'll be a tag along. <laughs> I think I'd be terrible. Show him up. <laughs> yeah, well, I won't already do that anyway, no. Do you have a big family, Tash?
1: I do... But we're like, I'm super close with my siblings mm. more than anyone else on the planet. <laughs> but I do have a big family. Indians do naturally have a big family, but my particular immediate family, it's not very big actually. Um, but yeah, I've got family all over the world, but I don't, it's hard to keep in touch with so many of them all. Well, it
0: is when it's that big, yeah. So your sister's. In the north, and yeah. where's everybody else dotted around?
1: Well, my brother's a paramedic. Is he? Yeah, he's a bit. We so were. it's his birthday today, and we went, I took him, him and my sister out um, for a slice of cake and a, and a coffee. And he's like the local village hero because they live in. A, he lives in a tiny little village in Yorkshire. Right. <clears throat> so they all know him, and you know, it's a very elderly community. And he's saved a couple of lives actually this year, two lives. And he goes around to you know all the elderly people's houses when they've had a little fall and stuff like that. And um, wow! And it was actually amazing to witness. They gave him his cake for free. I'd obviously took him for a treat, but they're like, no, no, it's on us. They they adore him.
0: <laughs> oh God, he's really changing people's lives. Well,
1: it's, yeah. Well, I mean, paramedics do, don't yeah. they? Yeah. And especially when you're in that c- community and um, and you see them every day and you've saved a few lives and stuff, they 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 adore him. And it was really. Beautiful to see.
0: That's incredible. Yeah. So, how come you turned out to be an actor? <laughs> how, did that, how did that happen? I know.
1: <laughs> I don't know. When did
0: that start for you? Though was it was it catered for in school?
1: No, I've just always had some. It's such a hard question, isn't it? Asking mm. actors how they got into it. Mm. I think there's just that seed inside of you, isn't there? Just wants to be a part of stories, and I wanted to be a singer. Did you? Until I realised very early on that that wasn't going to be for <laughs> me. I mean, look, I can just about hold a tune, but, I mean, I wasn't cut out for that at all.
0: I'd say being a musician would be a hard life. I've interviewed a fair few musicians. That could be, you know, as Oof. brutal as being an actor, if not I more. I feel like
1: you play instruments. No! That surprises me. No. You look like you... You know how to play guitar.
0: No, I wish I could. I really wish I could. I'd love to be. I'd love to be. A band. I have this theory. I've said this to a few people that, um, like lead singers in bands because they they perform a lot and they you know they're the front man or front woman. It's like I believe that they have a secret hankering to be an actor, and I think, <laughs> and I think a lot of actors would love to be the front man of a band.
1: So funny when I go into my daily visions, it's always me with a mic singing a song. Is it?
0: Yeah,
1: it's never me on set. <laughs> it's always me on stage with the mic.
0: Yeah, because that's kind of that's our career. That's our job. We don't because we're doing it. We're lucky enough to it do anywhere. it. Yeah, it's like you true. fantasize about things that you can never do.
1: Gosh, you've just. Yeah, that's what it is, thank you. I've always wanted to know why I do that and you've just answered
0: it. I think because <laughs> I've spoke, I have I interviewed over the years a few front men of, of, of big bands and there's something about them, they've just got that performance gene and they just turn it on. Whereas, you know, the, the bass player and the drummer, they're kind of at the back, they're very happy to be part of the ensemble but the front man is there. It
1: just feels cooler.
0: Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah.
1: Like, obviously, like you said, acting that's our day-to-day now, bread and butter, but there's just something, being a lead of a band, that just feels cool.
0: I mean, we can dream, can't we?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I take singing lessons, but not for anyone other than myself.
0: That's fantastic, it's though. It's the only
1: thing in the world that I'm like, I'm just doing this for me. That and white eye. I've started Muay Thai.
0: Really? Yeah. How do you find that?
1: Bizarrely, I'm very good at it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's one of the few things I'm like, oh, I'm actually really good at this.
0: Do you know um, Do you know the actor Warren Brown?
1: I don't know him personally, but obviously, no one can.
0: Warren Brown has won so many awards from his. Oh, he can option. kick ass. Oh, me? my God. Can yes. He? Absolutely. Yeah. Might I? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He, he, he stopped doing that to become an actor.
1: <gasps> has he ever done a role? Where he's got
0: a... I don't know. I don't know. We've been trying to... He's been trying to... We've been trying He's. We've been trying to arrange for him to come on this for, for ages and we just uh, make the time and he's a, he's a good mate. But, yeah. Oh, he's brilliant. Oh, Asking
1: questions because I want to know. I'm so intrigued.
0: Yeah. You should interview him. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll be so boring. I'm like, so that kick that you do... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> we'll just do
0: it as a video podcast. Yeah. No, but he's really good. He was like... S- Either professional or semi-professional, yeah. Well, that's he where is. I want
1: to get to. Like, I've Look, I've done martial arts before, so luckily... And I have one-on-one boxing lessons and stuff like that, which I can't stand, I'll be honest with you, boxing.
0: Good training, though.
1: So good training, but the stamina. Kickboxing, love it. Muay Thai, love it. Boxing where you're just punching is so boring for me. Do you prefer to
0: get, Do you prefer to get stuck in?
1: Kicked legs and all.
0: Right. Yeah. How long have you been doing that, then?
1: Oh, it's not been long. It's not been long. But boxing have been doing for a bit. And martial arts, I did loads when I was younger. Years and years of it. Yeah, just love it.
0: I just caught myself, and I heard myself be really northern... Because I'm, because you're in the room. But and I'm weirdly, to I'm you.
1: not that northern. I feel like it's been around all the people who are northern.
0: Do you find that though? I used to, and I've said this before on the podcast. When I used to go early on, like in my twenties, if I was going to a do, like a, an industry do, <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: I would become more northern.
1: It's a safety mechanism, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, that's it. And what's been a real bugbear of mine recently? I've really noticed to some people who are very public school, not to berate them in any way, shape or form...
0: I mean, you can if you want. No, I'm they ...have
1: started doing... They start doing my accent back to me.
0: Fuck that. And
1: it's quite catty.
0: Yeah, I don't like that at and all. And
1: so I'm ready to pop off at the next person <laughs> that does it back to me. And so I start questioning who I am as a mm. person. There was a couple of incidents recently and I said to my friends why are you laughing when people do that? Why haven't you got, you know, half my back when these certain people that we've been hanging around with do that to me? And I realised it was really upsetting me and I couldn't understand why. And I couldn't understand why they were doing it back to me because in my head I'm not that northern. Maybe when I'm around us, uh, I am. Yeah. And I'd probably, I realised, do it when I'm around these really posh people yeah. to protect myself. I've become almost the class clown.
0: Absolutely. It's understandable. And
1: they pick up on it. And they start mocking me back. Yeah. And then I go home, start feeling really shit, and I'm like, oh, I felt really bad around these people.
0: Well, it's belittling in a way. And it's a power thing, I think. Yeah. Because if you had a very strong Irish accent or you had a very strong Welsh accent, and somebody would dream of doing that, would you?
1: And that's what I keep saying to my friends. I was like, I wouldn't, dr- I never go into the situations to start thinking I'll start putting on RP. No, uh, absolutely not. Number one, I would, I would hope I wouldn't want someone to feel uncomfortable or single them out. I-, I love to make people feel included, and I would hate for anyone to go away thinking that they didn't feel a part of the group. And it's been so funny, it's only been recent now, and there's certain groups of people who are, you know, friends of friends who are all played lacrosse when they grew up and stuff like that. Yeah. And I've never felt it so deeply until recently.
0: I mean, I think you've got to shut that shit down there and then in front of them.
1: Yeah, you know, those shower thoughts that you have, all the comebacks that you wish you'd said. Yeah. So I've got a few lined up, ready to go.
0: There was... (laughs) I was... As you can see I've got my washing out in the backyard and I've got all stuff over there on the on the radiator that's drying out because I was uh, unloaded the car the so other day. I didn't even know it is. I didn't even know. It's such a mess. Now. I'm I'm so it's embarrassed No, it's, it's lived in. Um, and <laughs> um you we went away camping and we went to a we went to a hay festival for a couple of talks and I took my son to see one about being a YouTuber because he's obsessed with like, being a YouTuber. Oh, wow, right? okay. And my girlfriend went to a talk about happiness. Right. And it boiled down to three things of this talk. And she told me this one, one of them was, a, was about laughter, which you kind of understand.
1: Yeah.
0: One of them was about enjoying and listening to music. And the other one, which is something that's linked about what we're saying now, is surrounding yourself with people who you actually want to be around. Yeah. So in that situation there, when somebody who you don't have a strong connection with is 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 mocking you, oh, but I'm only joking. No, no, no. Uh, you know, it's like remove yourself from that situation. Don't be surrounded yeah. by people who you don't want to be around. I thought it was quite an interesting life lesson.
1: I think getting older, you're more confident. I used to do this thing where I'd be like, so let say this situation happened, I would want to go back to the situation to prove myself. So I purposely put myself in it to prove myself even more. Yeah. To do with worthiness. And then when you get older, I would hope you'd feel... Well, I feel more worthy and more confident in myself now, But I'm like, bye. Yeah. And that scissor emoji gets used a lot now. Anyone that's like that, I send it to my friends, I'm like, they're getting cut out of my life. And I feel no desire at all to go back and prove any sense of worth.
0: No, but nor should you. But again, I think you're right. I think that comes with possibly aid, certainly confidence.
1: But I had to sit with it for a while because I did come away feeling really bluesy. Really recent situations as well. I'm right. like, why are they doing that <laughs> back to me? And also, why am, I ma-
0: why am I letting somebody I have no personal connection with really make me feel like that? Yeah,
1: I'm more intrigued in the psychological side of, you know, the psychology of it, of why, why they do it. Me, I can sit with it and understand what I feel and ruminate on that and what it's bringing up for me. And then go away thinking, well, this is what I'll say back and actually can defend myself. And even if I don't want to defend myself, just walk away. Yeah. And I sat with that. But now I'm really interested to why they do it.
0: You see, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm the opposite there because I wouldn't want to waste my time trying to dissect their motivations <laughs> for making me feel like, no, I can't can't do that. I would have to work out, right, that's made me feel like that. I'm not going to put myself in that situation. I'm certainly not going to allow that in future. I mean, imagine...
1: We're More, always gonna meet those kind of people. Of course, but it's
0: how but it's how you deal with it, mm. isn't it? So but imagine if he was on the other foot and you start a new job and it's that thing where you start a new job on a set and you're thrust into these close relationships with people who you don't know, and you've got it's a balancing act, and you've got to be kind and you've got to not be a dick and listen. Read the room a lot.
1: Read the room. <laughs> Imagine
0: going in and then doing some sort of impression of somebody's accent first thing. That's and that that then that person would take that with them for the first few for the first few months of the job, and that's what they think about you. You just wouldn't do it, would you?
1: Yeah, I think it's so jarring initially. You don't quite know what's going on, and I laugh it off, and they start acting the part that they've assigned me. Yeah. And then I go away and I start thinking, and I get berate myself, like, why did I do that? But you do, don't you? It's a defence mechanism. You start acting the part that people, when they're safety in those numbers, yeah. them when there's, I don't know, a room of very posh speaking people. But it, you don't lack any intelligence because you have a slightly different accent. No, you know? not
0: at all, but I think, certainly, personally, when I, I would... Con- I would say it was conscious that I would be slightly more northern in those situations because I would worry that they've already perceived me as one thing, so I'm going to sort of be that. You're going to
1: play that part? I'm going to
0: play that part already because because of my own insecurities.
1: Well, so that's what a lot of it is, is obviously my own insecurities, so I go in and start doing that, and then I thought, is it really, though, (laughs) as well as I could be even more northern or more, you know, whatever, why would that matter? That doesn't give anyone permission, still. No,
0: exactly. To,
1: in any shape or form. And it was so funny, because we'd been out for drinks, we'd been out for different things, and I just thought, why, number one, why do I allow this? And number two, I really do find it intriguing, the motivation from other people, though. I do find that fascinating. Because we've all been awful at some point or another. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's just, you know... You just are. There's so many people. I mean, I'm just such a nice person. I'm just like, I think you're not. None of us are truly. You can be overall, but there will definitely be times that you haven't been.
0: I do find that hard to trust.
1: So do I. Do you <laughs> know, what I mean? without
0: being well, are, without, without being like cynical,
1: <laughs> without
0: being cynical, it's like only goals. If, if you can't put your hand up and go, yeah, do you know what? I've been a complete dickhead there. Yeah. And, you know, I, it may happen again. It's it's going to happen again yeah. at some point, let's be honest. But to go, no, it's, everything's all rosy with me, I,
1: I, I can't trust I'm that. exactly the same because I'm like, mate, just come on. Just put your hands in and be like, oh, a bit of a dick then.
0: Yeah. i said foot in the mouth. I've said the yeah. wrong thing at the wrong yeah. time.
1: We're all doing. Yeah funny isn't it human I just I'm so fascinated by human behaviour so that's do you know what that's probably why I'm an actress
0: well yeah because we're constantly looking at human behaviour how many times have you been in Soho on a summer's day and you've just sat outside with a drink a cup of tea and you've just people watched you've just watched and you've you've sort of seen a couple and you've gone they're not looking like they're getting on and you've made up a load of backstory for them and you can just sit there and people watch for forever
1: when well, I went to thornton Dale. we stopped at this gorgeous little village on the way back from Dolby Forest. And I just loved looking at those little villages as well and thinking, what that day-to-day is like every single day for people and people's aspirations and it was such a community feel and everyone was chatting to each other and I just... Even that, that fascinates me.
0: But it is, but that is what we do constantly, even when a script lands... It's like we're constantly making it all up and so then we're always building told,
1: it god you're always staring at people taj stop staring at that person i'm not because it's you're looking at them putting them the whole life together yeah, but we are we are staring <laughs> at them <laughs> i know Says <So laughs> me hold the hands up i am staring. <laughs> i am staring at them. there's like so someone yesterday in this little village and he had a black eye i was like oh he's got a black eye where's that from and i was like i wanted to know everything about how that black eye transpired yeah
0: Well, I know uh, a good mate of mine was doing a film and they were rehearsing for a long, long time with the director who does a lot of rehearsal and a lot of improvisation. And he came back and he was building this character and he said to the director, he said, I seen this guy in in the chippy last night and he had this like fresh sort of horrible Oof. scar and I couldn't take my eyes off him, but I knew I could, also couldn't look at him. And I was thinking, where's that come from? And in the end, they hopefully put that in the film because he was just nicking bits, bits of people from everyone and sewing it all together to create this character. It's fascinating.
1: Yeah, there's a few around my end that I want to write about.
0: Uh, at a distance, yeah, write about them and just...
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. But stuff that feels so far-fetched, like if someone watched it on a film, they'd be like, that's not real.
0: Yeah, but that's the thing too. is... And I'm
1: like, no, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> it Isn't really that always
0: is. the way, though, when you hear a story and you go, if I told you this or I saw this on screen, people wouldn't believe, believe
1: it. it. No, I'm writing a film at the moment. Oh, There's yeah. of stuff in there. Um, I sent it to a friend and he read it and he was like, and he wrote comments, were like, really? Really? Is that unbelievable? you know. And I was like, well, yeah, because every single bit of it, either I have lived or a best friend from a childhood has lived or an adult friend has experienced. But stuff, when you read about it, you think, no way, no chance. Yeah.
0: <laughs> when did you start writing or have you always been tinkering?
1: I think I've always done it as a child. It was the Jacqueline Wilson box actually, that got me into it.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um... I've always just played around with it, and at drama school, you have to, for your thesis, you have to write a play or something like that. And so I wrote a play, and it's... This feature film that I'm now doing with the BFI and Fable Pictures has developed from that play that I wrote at drama school. Wow. Um... And it's just developed and developed and developed over the years and I've always just always come back to it. Um, and now I actually have deadlines. <laughs> <gasps>
0: now it changes. You put your writer's head on. What, yeah. What's the deadline? What do you mean?
1: What? Well, just, you know, just, first draft's got to be done by this Oh, day. no, I know what yeah, you mean. I was, yeah, going, I was yeah. being yeah. you. What's
0: the deadline? I can't be doing that. I
1: know. I mean, already I'm looking at the first one thinking, no chance. Yeah. But yeah, it's been ruminating in me for so long and just all these characters that I had been so many different, there's so many different versions of Taj Atwal that have existed over the years. You know when people say that thing, oh, you've changed and you think, well, I'm blooming well, hope hope so. I hope so and I hope hope I've 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 learnt. Can you imagine if you were just that version? But I think people still want you, especially up north, I find they want you to be the version that they knew you were. And so you get a lot of, ooh, look at you, ooh, that's yeah. fancy. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's I just...
0: understand that. I get it. I <laughs> do. It's a bit, you know, stay in your box there just because you've, yeah. you, you've moved out or we've seen you on the telly or something. Don't, you know, not get above your station. station. Yeah.
1: Is what people think. But yeah. it's not. It's just not that. that you're achieving the goals and dreams that you had set out to do.
0: And also you're growing and you're learning and you're failing all the time anyway.
1: And from that comes the successes. But people, I find, just sometimes, they just have a bit of an ick about it. Yeah. And I find almost myself, I downplay and downsize everything. Do you find that sometimes? Well, I've stopped doing it now. I started celebrating every win.
0: I kind, of cele- <laughs> I kind of celebrate the wins with those closest to me who I know will... Enjoy will, it. Well, will also celebrate with me. Yeah,
1: that's what I mean. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because you would never want to come across arrogant or boasting in any way. Do you know what I mean? So if you celebrate with the people who are close to you and that you love, it becomes one celebration.
1: It's exactly what I've started doing. And it feels so much more enjoyable. And healthy. And healthy. But there was, there was so many times that I would just downplay, downsize, downplay. And, it, and I realised all these beautiful moments that I'd hoped and dreamed for, that I'd worked hard for. I really wasn't fully enjo- allowing myself to enjoy for fear of another person who maybe wasn't doing what they wanted to, had set out to do, which had maybe similar goals and dreams to yours. Yeah. Which, obviously, read the room, you don't want to gloat or anything like that. But, I mean, I really wasn't celebrating it for fear of people thinking I was getting a my station or anything. And now I do the same as you. I celebrate fully with the people that... They also want you to... to exactly,
0: to. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and normally then... That other person can go, and guess what? This has happened, and then you can celebrate that other person's win together.
1: Yeah, I've got friends. My one of my best friends, he works in construction. He's a site manager, and I love going. To, I've been to visit him when he's got his hard hat on, his hi-vis on, to show me the building that he's building. Massive hotels in the center of London. I mean, huge. And I get emotional seeing it because I feel like I have built that building with yeah, him. Yeah. And I'll take pictures and videos because it's so amazing for me, you know, and all the friends who are doing various, completely different lines of work, but it just, oh, they don't want me to sit here and me sitting banging on about acting all the time. <laughs> and so it's so exciting that we can all, and, and I've got to this point in my life now, really genuinely, where the people I can count on one hand, we're all about forward thinking, we're all about celebrating each other, and we're all about aspirations and going out and getting them. Yeah. And none of them moan. No. They just get up and do it. And I love it. I really love enjoying being around them.
0: And they're the people to surround yourself with, aren't yeah.
1: they? Yeah. If I don't see them for a week, I start having withdrawal <laughs> symptoms.
0: Yeah, but you pick up where you left off. That's the good thing. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned about drama school then yeah. before. What age did you move down? You, I take it you I 18. Mo- you moved down to London?
1: At GSA, I went to Guildford. Right, OK. Yeah. Interesting experience. Go on. Well, I was the only ethnic person in my class, which I don't think I really realised at the time what an effect, how different that was for me. And I always remember this time we all had to sit around after the end of the first year, of what we'd been up to in the summer, and people had been backpacking around Vietnam, and some had seen Nihai, the production company, and all this stuff, and I had been to see the Spice Girls. And honestly, it was like the best thing that had ever happened to me because, you know, they were my childhood and everything. And people laughed. Because it just wasn't, you know, backpacking around Vietnam or whatever. Yeah. Like that. But for me, it was such a big thing.
0: I mean, that sounds like privilege at such a young age, backpacking around Vietnam. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, yeah. and um, And it was just finding my feet with the text of stuff. I really didn't know what I could do as an actress. Because when we were doing Shakespeare, I'd be, like, maid-worn or nurse-worn or, or something like that. And when we did, you know, The Crucible, I can't even remember what, I think it was Susanna, who's got, like, two lines. And then my third year, I really came into my own, and I think the drama school recognised that. And when I discovered Acheborne and Pinter... And I was like, oh, my gosh, here were these plays, these writers who were writing parts that I could really see me doing. Yeah. Lulu in the birthday party I played. Right, brilliant. And I remember one of my tutors being like, that's the, I think that's the best I've ever seen you act. And I was like, oh, comedy, right, definitely can do this. Akebourne, like, I did Wildest Dreams. Right, okay, I can't yeah. the name of the character I played. Really hardy character. And um, that's when I was like, right, OK, I can do this. I know what I'm doing now, and I, not I know what I'm doing. And I still had lessons after that with D Cannon for years. Um, but just the text, that rich text.
0: And I was think. it comedy that you saw yourself going into? Was that no? no?
1: I, well, I never saw myself as a lead. I always thought myself I'd be like the comedy friend. Again, that was tied into worthiness, I think, as well a yeah, lot of like that, and, yeah. and the um, social conditioning. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, not being seen as that. And then for years did loads of comedy and stuff, and now I do loads of leading roles, but it was when I felt like I could actually do this. Yeah,
0: and also you're allowed the doors open that people are saying, yeah, we believe that you can do this.
1: Yeah. I think they feel like they believe I can do this because I believed I could do it.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Um, And now I'm so lucky I get to play so many different kind of leading roles. And even if they aren't, whatever the role is, it's it's a role that means something within the piece.
0: I was graduating from drama school. Did you feel that you were being put into an ethnic box from graduation? Or I you...
1: never put myself into No, but do you think
0: you were being put into one?
1: What, when I was auditioning? Yeah. So why the universe was on my side, I signed while I was still at drama school and Ruth Jones had written a series called Stella. Right. And that when I, I had only been out of drama school for about six months. And when I read that role, it was like she'd followed me around and she'd taken the essence of the awkwardness of this Asian teen and written it so truthfully, without any of the stereotypes. And I read it and I knew straight away, this is mine.
0: Did you? And what so a, what looked, a great feeling.
1: And six months <coughs> after graduating, that's what I did. So I looked out really early. I wouldn't say looked out there were people who were perceptive and aware of what should not should be written, and Ruth was one of those people. And
0: she's brilliant.
1: Phenomenal. Yeah. And Kay Miller, God rest her soul, was... I was, went straight not long after into her work. Yeah. And again, no stereotypes. Just stuff that felt pretty authentic and truthful. And so I've... The universe has been on my side.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and also, there's those writers out there yeah. that, that we look up to.
1: Yeah. And I've always said I'd, if I have to work doing promo or whatever it is, to be picky about the roles, and don't get me wrong, there's been jobs that I've had to take to pay the bills just to stay in the game. But overall, I'd say I've been pretty selective. And that's meant that there's been periods period of times where I've done other things, but I didn't care because I just knew in my heart what I wanted to do.
0: But I think it is important to be selective.
1: If you can, I understand as an actor, though, sometimes you do just have to take the work.
0: Oh, look, everybody's done the jobs for money, and, I, and I've done them, and it's the unhappiest I've ever been. Really? Yeah, and I remember taking one job years ago with a couple of very good friends of mine who are, touch wood, still very good friends of mine now. But I used to come home and I would be so upset, and it was the only time in 20-odd years where I've gone, I can't do this anymore. Oof. And it was then I made that decision. I would sooner go and graft on a building site or work in a supermarket or do something else, a quote-unquote normal job, and not do something that would make me unhappy.
1: That's what I did, but you learn, yeah, that's from that experience. You ha- that new desire was born of, I would much rather do that than that. But at the time, it's so brutal, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my God, this is brutal,
0: <clears throat> but the thing is, it's a brutal industry. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. It, it, you know, you're walking a tightrope all the time.
1: I've never felt it.
0: you never felt what? The brutality?
1: Maybe, maybe in my earlier years, yeah, but then I made that decision. I'd go and do all the graft until it's something that aligns with me. But then, look, i have lucky because I write and I'm a vo- I do voiceover. So I've always got something creative on the go, so I never feel like I'm out of the loop. But I don't know, I've managed to find myself in a position where I've... Some days, I, some jobs I've been pretty brutal, but I'm thankful for them because it's—I've just learned so much from it.
0: And does it make you happy?
1: Well, I'm happy already.
0: Because you seem you're on quite a level as a person. Like you got you dro- drove around my house today and you got out of the car and already <laughs> you, it, there's a lot of sunshine coming out.
1: That's how it's work. So I find that. The, Happiness is a broad term, but I find I like to find my equilibrium in me first as opposed to that thing over there is going to give me my equilibrium. Yeah. Because if you're going to do that, you're never going to get it. And I learned that very early on. Luckily, I'm Indian. Yoga, meditation, everything like that is in my blood, in particular to my family because, you know, my mum does a lot of it. So I'm equipped with that, I think, already. Or I've managed to tap into it.
0: And in it obviously friend. helps.
1: Yeah, it really does.
0: Because it's been instilled in you. Yeah.
1: When I tapped into it later on in life... Right. It was always ruminating in there. But I managed to tap back into it. But nothing can give you what you're finding. You've got to define it. And since I found that, everything that just flows to me anyway. And if it doesn't... Well, it clearly were not meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just go and I'll just do something else. I don't know, I'll just... Mince about my area, I'll enjoy whatever's in my area, I'll enjoy my friends, I'll, you know, I'll enjoy whatever it is for a couple of months that I need to do and I'll make the most of that and then I'll go back to work.
0: Are you good at stopping though? Are yes. you good at pausing? That's brilliant.
1: Yeah, I, the last year I did a messy break, not a messy breakup, just a painful breakup. Breakups are painful anyway and I just I remember calling my agent and I'm like, I need to, to stop for a minute. She went, okay. So I was just like, I just need five minutes. <laughs> so I took a couple of months off. Because
0: just- you're you're no use to anybody, and certainly not yourself, stepping onto a job when you're ever so slightly broken. We've all done that. We've all stopped and gone. I- I'm just not. I'm not in a good place.
1: Yeah, I think people fear that another job might not come.
0: Well, that's that thing. I, when I was talk, talking to a much younger actors, I said you've got great power in saying no to things. Because if it's not quite right...
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if anything is ever quite right. Ah but, go... ah,
0: but you said that, that job that Ruth wrote, that was like... Oh, I, I, I feel that was... That was so was, potent. Like perfect. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've ever had that feeling again, actually, where I just read it, but I was so young then. Um. But now, while it's other things when you're older, you look at who the cast is, you look at who the crew is, you look at the director is, and you're like, oh, you know, you do some jobs. What does my agent call it? I can't remember now. Just the, for fun. Just because it's going to be a fun experience. Yeah. It's a lovely experience, and it's just going to be enjoyable.
0: Which is as helpful as doing something where, you know, it's going to be a tough experience, but you're going to get a lot out of it.
1: Yeah, it's a good... You do a good mix of things. Yeah. I'm sure you'll find... I mean, you're back-to-back all the time. Anyway, how do you choose...
0: But again, it's a. I want to. It's about who you want to work with, and why you want to tell a story, or why you want to begin to create a character. You have to tick off lots of boxes, don't you?
1: It's beauty that you've got to that stage that you can do that. It's beautiful.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean, it's still. You have to. Sometimes you've really got to prove to people that you can do it. I'll I know. promise you, I'll, I'll. I'll come through for you, but it's constant. You know.
1: Yeah, the proving side of things is constant. Um, that's reassuring that you say that, because I was like, oh, is it just me that I feel like I wasn't trying to
0: prove myself? No, I th- but I think we should always want to strive to prove ourselves to other people, because...
1: Get complacent.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I don't want to get to that stage, or I don't want anybody to think of me like that.
1: Yeah. My last director and oh, the director I'm working with again, he calls me he's like you're, you're like a rocket when you come on set, and I don't see it. I just feel like I just come on prepared, <laughs> ready to go. I
0: understand that. I don't <laughs> know who that director is, but I understand that it's an ele- I think it's an energy thing.
1: It's prep. So I did the control room, which is coming out next month. Hands on heart. The only job in my life where I've ever done wet. Everyone, down to the boom operator, down to the runner, were so prepared. I don't think we ever stopped once for boom, sound or anything. Wow, because people were ready to go, and it was one of the best experiences of my life because it meant that all the prep and work that you had put in everyone were all matched equally. That it was, we were just firing on all cylinders and, you know, just, I hope, created something so amazing.
0: That's so rare. And the
1: director, Amy Neal, I think I said her name is, just never raised her voice, just so ethereal and calm, she ran the most beautiful set. Wow. No mic pack was ever on show. (laughs) And it was really incredible experience to have.
0: Well, that may never happen again. It may not be right, <laughs>
1: won't
0: it? <laughs> Taz, this has been brilliant. Thank you so much Thank for coming you. around. We did it, finally. I know. <laughs> and another episode is done. One episode, what a character. She's so lovely and great to chat to. And a big shout-out to Taj for popping round my house and went all remote Avenues Failed, which I'm kind of pleased at because I'm sick of them. And there's going to be more in-person conversations in season 10, definitely. Because that's how that's how we like it, isn't it? Yeah? Great. Um, oh, just to say, in conjunction with this episode, all episodes of Hull Raisers are now available on all four if you are in the UK. If not, I'm sure there's some... A highly illegal way you can get hold of it. I mean, I'm not telling you to do it, but I'm sure you could. If you wanted to, it's a funny comedy. Give it a shout out. I'm sorry, this is echoey. So next week, we're on to episode three. And yes, we'll be back. Same bat time, same bat channel, which will be Thursday. Okay. Now, the day before Glastonbury, Myself and Graef met up in person. Finally, lovely to see him. To meet James Smith. Now he's the front man for a fantastic Leeds band called Yard Act, who have been storming it recently. Their set at Glastonbury on the Williams Green stage Uh, on the Friday was electric. I mean, talk about taking the crowd by the scruff of the neck and everybody was just bouncing by the end of it. It was brilliant. If you know Yard Act, you're in for a treat. If you don't, you're in for a treat. And after this, next week, you're going to be a big fan. So look, I'll see you in the lead sunshine for episode three of the Two Shot Podcast with James Smith from Yard Act next Thursday. Until then, get in touch with us. You know where we are. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Pod. If you want to take a look at our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash Pod. You can take a look at the hoodies, t-shirts, stickers, mugs. The tote bags are especially beautiful this time of year. And they're all coming very soon. Take a look. See if you want to support. Get some merch. That's how it works. We all win. It's a great great scheme okay until then I've been Craig Parkinson he's been producer Griff and this has been an ever slightly echoey Two Shot Podcast I'll see you next week for episode three you take care alright the Two Shot Podcast was presented by me Craig Parkinson recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block the remix of our theme tune is by Stolen Valor cheers